Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello and welcome back to The Food Show. Hour two. Out of two. Used to be three. Now it's two. Uh, it's the gourmet cellist, Dan. I'll check here in the driver's seat. Why don't you call me and talk to me? A lot of people stop me on the street and say, hey, you're that guy. I say, yeah, that's me. So uh, instead of doing that, or in addition to doing that, why don't you give me a call here at 260-6368. Love to talk to you about anything at all having to do with food, meaning dining in, dining out. Aunt Susie's uh, gumbo she made in 1947. Uh, Cousin Timmy's favorite recipe for uh, shrimp remoulade. Anything like that. We like all food here. Everything from A to Z, from Azerbaijani to uh, Zambian, and everything in between. So uh, give me a call. Talk to me about anything at all having to do with food or drinks. It's 260-6368 in the area code of 504. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a fun day so far. We've been talking about pasta. And as someone who's been studying the art of making pasta since I was three, three and a half years old in my uh, parents' kitchen in New England. Uh, so what happened was a good friend of ours uh, had a lake house nearby, and they brought over a cook named Margarita, and uh, she made pasta all summer long. And I remember, so we we had her over to our house. We were going to have a big dinner at our house, and so she says, let's make gnocchi. And she didn't speak any English, and then I didn't speak any Italian. So we're going to make gnocchi. G- N-O-C-C-H-I, by the way, gnocchi is how you pronounce that word. And uh, so we, we, we did it together. I stood on a stool, and we rolled it out, made the dough, rolled it out. And uh, I tell you, that was one of the formative experiences in my, in my cooking uh, career. Because if you learn from an early age how food is supposed to taste, when it's really correct, it stays with you. So... Freud says character is formed at age four, so uh, man, <laughs> I don't know if taste is too. I think it evolves a little bit, uh, but he was right and wrong about something, so that's neither here nor there. Uh, but I tell you, that first pasta-making experience was really formative for me, and I do fresh pasta all the time. Now, why are people so afraid of making fresh pasta? It's something that comes up fairly often. I, I talk to a friend or a colleague and they say, what did you do for dinner last night? And I said, I made fresh pasta. They say, who'd you have over? I said, no one. It was me. They said, wait a minute. You made fresh pasta? You went to all that work and got your kitchen all dirty with flour and, <laughs> and all that stuff just for you? I said, yeah, what the hell am I supposed to do? Wait to have people over to have a good plate of pasta? So <laughs> so how do you make fresh pasta? Uh my ratio, I used the ratio from Emilia-Romagna, which is a region in northern Italy. Extremely simple. 100 grams of flour, double zero if you can get it, one egg, 
There's your ratio. 100 grams of flour to one egg. Most people have kitchen scales. I have a good digital one from Oxo in my uh, kitchen. You weigh the flour. I think a good amount for four people, generous amount would be four to 500 grams. You'll have some left over. In any case, however many hundreds of grams of flour and however many eggs, you measure the flour. You clean the big surface on your counter. If you don't have that, you can use a big cutting board. Uh, but you, you need a flat surface that's quite clean. Now, my counter, I have stone, so I always clean it with alcohol uh, before. I think rubbing alcohol is an excellent way to clean a stone counter. You get it really clean. You dump out, let's say where you're doing 300 grams of flour. You dump out your flour. You, you spread it out so you make this sort of, in Italian, we call it la fontana. I, I call it the classic well, the classic well that you flatten out in the middle. So you're kind of scraping outwards and forming a big circle. And in the middle is where you pour the eggs into. So uh, there won't be any flour really in the very middle. It'll just be the stone surface. 300 grams of flowers on the counter. Three eggs, not beaten, just three eggs straight in. Use a really good quality egg because the yellower the better. You want that pasta to have that really rich color. And if it's a kind of pale, uh, chemically factory-style egg, eh, doesn't look so good, doesn't taste so good. Excellent eggs. Pour them in, and you start to beat the eggs slowly with a fork, that kind of rolling motion with the fork going straight flat on the stone countertop. And as you do that, as you break down the eggs, you start to fold in the flour which, if you're thinking ahead, you may have sifted. Uh, but it works if you haven't sifted it, too. So you're slowly folding in the flour. And then you can beat faster and faster and faster. Picture like when you're using a stand mixer and you're making a cake batter, and you add the flour. You don't put it up to speed 10. You'd have a mess all over the kitchen. So easy it does it. And you're thickening up the eggs with the flour. And you're doing this kind of flat motion and using the wrist to go all the way through. So you do that, and you get the flour completely mixed in with the eggs. It takes anywhere from a minute and a half to three and a half minutes, I'd say. And there's a lot of good videos on YouTube, actually, of this being done. By the way, if you have any commentary on the method of making pasta, give me a call, will you? 260-6368. Good chance to speak to someone different other than Tom. Don't you like talking to people other than Tom? <laughs> <laughs> 260-6368, it's Dan Lutzik, the gourmet cellist, talking about pasta, of all things, fresh pasta. Uh, very quick and easy dish. So right now we're at the point where we're beating in the flour to the eggs. I, I, again, the double zero flour is very good. Uh, Anna is a very good brand. It's from Naples. It's available, uh, believe it, Rouse's locally even. Uh, I also very much enjoy the King Arthur flour, which is available at pretty much every grocery store and every market. Uh, at some point, it would be helpful to have a pastry scraper, just a sort of rectangular, thin piece of metal, not sharp, uh, with a wooden handle so you can kind of scrape the bottom right along the stone countertop where you're doing this. And uh, 
few minutes later, three, four minutes later, you'll basically have what's a ball of dough. I needed a little bit, uh, just 30, 45 seconds of kneading until it's good. It should be quite pliable. should be soft, uh, but it should sort of have an elastic quality to it, but not much, just a little. Uh, so it's, it's a really a soft dough, but a little elastic. And remember, at this point, this is only egg and flour. I then wrap the ball of dough in plastic wrap, and I put it in the fridge for a minimum of 10 to 12 minutes, as long as 30 minutes. You could do this way in advance, but we're doing this with the assumption that you're going to make dinner <laughs> right now. <laughs> so, so all you need for this is eggs and flour. Uh, then you take it out, unwrap it. This is 10, 12, 20 minutes later, and you have your pasta machine ready. I use a hand crank machine, very inexpensive, inexpensive. Um, you can order it from Amazon or anywhere else, any cooking store. Always good to support local stores. Hand crank pasta machine. It is clipped down to the countertop, uh, and you you slice off a piece of the dough. You flatten it with your hands. You sprinkle on a little flour. You crank it through, and you just take that down through each setting. I usually take it down to seven or eight, which means that when I have a sheet of dough at seven or eight, I can pretty much see through it. So it's not extremely thin, but it's thin. Uh, and then I do that again, cut off a slice about, well, I'd say three quarters of an inch thick, flatten it down with your hands, flour both sides, put the crank back to setting one, which is the thickest setting, and then crank it on through. This is how you make fresh pasta. Once you've had all your sheets rolled out, you move the crank to the uh, cutting setting that you want. I often do a fettuccine, I do a tagliatelle. There's a lot of things I do, but the, the, the classic with fresh pasta is a tagliatelle, also known as fettuccine. And uh, you put the sheets you've cut through that. And really crank it. Turn it quite fast. Don't be afraid. Pasta dough is very forgiving. Turn it quite fast and catch it with your hand as it comes out of that pasta cutter. And I'm telling you, you're going to have better than 99% of the Italian restaurants in, in, in this country. I'll repeat it. You'll have pasta better than 99% of the Italian restaurants in this country. Start to finish, it can be done in under an hour. Uh, perfect thing to do is while the dough is in the refrigerator resting, do your sauce. The classic, classic preparation for the tagliatelle is a brown butter and sage sauce topped with Parmesan cheese. Brown butter, sage. Take a stick of butter, stick and a half, put it in a saucepan, very slowly melt it. Very slowly. We want a really brown and Get that butter sweet and bring out the nutty flavor. Fresh sage goes in after about 15 minutes of that. And uh, you top the fresh tagliatelle with the brown butter sage sauce. And obviously, ample Parmesan cheese, uh, freshly grated. That's one of my favorite things to do. What have you been doing... Uh, Restaurant-wise, recently, we had a good call earlier that was about the buffet at the casino in Kenner, of all places. Not a place I was uh, 
expecting to hear about on this show, but uh, it was an interesting call. The uh, the caller did think that there had been a change in the kitchen, in the management there, uh, over at the casino in Kenner. But in any case, you can call me about that or anything else at 504-260-6368. Uh, before we take the break, I wanted to mention that I have this very interesting book here. A lot of cookbooks hang around this radio studio, as, as you, you may imagine. This is the Jersey Shore Cookbook, Fresh Summer Flavors from the Boardwalk and Beyond. Now, this book looks really terrific. And as you'd have the coincidence be, the first page I open to is Jumbo Lump Crab Cakes with Chili Remoulade and Jersey Tomatoes. So so I'm looking at this recipe, and it, it does look very similar to a lot of crab cakes I see around here in the Maryland area. This uh, begins with bell pepper, red and green, and onion, scallion eggs, breadcrumbs, mayonnaise, Dijon mustard, salt pepper, granulated garlic, and then the chili remoulade. This, this looks really good, actually. This is sort of a takeoff of sauces that we do here around New Orleans. This is a cup of mayonnaise, half cup of relish, half cup ketchup, five tablespoons Tabasco sauce. Uh, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a, a lot. Uh, quarter cup fresh lemon juice and three tablespoons Cajun seasoning. So this is going to be a really, really potent uh, sauce. I would probably say that it's a little too potent uh, for, for a delicate crab cake, but that's that's just uh, my opinion. But but the book looks really good. So, so that's kind of part of what we do on this show is talk about cookbooks. One of the other recipes that jumped out was the spiced corn chowder, which actually looks really good. This says sweet Jersey corn. So, okay, you can use corn from anywhere. Uh, it's a star of this chowder, which also features spicy, smoky pork. Use a leftover corn stock as a base for other meals, crab boil, clam boil, lobster, risotto, corn pudding, cornbread pasta broth, cornbread stuffing, and more. And this is a uh, a chowder based on bacon. Uh, bacon, yellow onions, flour, corn stalk. Uh, quite an interesting book this is. It's the Jersey Shore cookbook, and I'm looking at it right here compared to the Mississippi Vegan cookbook and uh, I'd say between the two of these, neither of which would stand out to me to buy uh, at a bookstore, uh, between the two of them, I could do a lot of good cooking. Spring's on the way. Tell me what you're going to make, will you? All you have to do is call 260-6368-260-MENU, area code 504. It's the Gourmet Cellist. Dan Leltzik here on 105.3 FM, WWL.com. Back in a flash. Hello and welcome back to the food show, WWL Radio, 105.3 FM. It's the gourmet cellist here, Dan Lelchuk, and uh, time's running out for you to call me. All you got to do is pick up the phone and dial 504-260-6368. It's a caller-driven show, so anything you want to talk about, we talk about on air. And if you've never called into a radio program before and you're apprehensive or anything like that, it's very easy. You pretend like you're calling your best friend. You pick up the phone and dial. Remember, pretext when you called people? Yeah, even I remember that. And I'm a millennial. <laughs> you pick up your phone, you dial. 
and you say, hey, Jane, how's it going? Uh, let's talk about what I did today. Except you do that with me, and you say, hey, Dan, how's it going? And uh, I say, good, and you say, I want to talk to you about that terrible meal I had it, and then you name the place. And please name it. Name names on this show, will you? That's what we're all about. Getting to the truth, good, bad, or ugly. We want the truth about restaurants and about your recipes. We've been talking about pasta for a long time on this show. Actually, for about an hour and a half so far. Uh, I, I wanted to clarify one thing, by the way. I mentioned tomato sauce. I mentioned red gravy. I'd never heard that uh, designation for tomato sauce until I came here. Uh, and then I mentioned marinara sauce. Now, one of the great experts of Italian cooking of the past 50 years, Giuliano Bugialli, uh, defines marinara sauce as aglio and olio, which in New Orleans is bordelaise, which is olive oil and garlic, plus tomato. That, according to Giuliano Bugialli, who is one of the great authorities, is what a real marinara sauce is. So it's not a tomato sauce that's cooked on the stove for 55 hours. Uh, it is a simple oil, garlic, plus tomato. And uh, it traditionally was used for the reason of going with clams or some other seafood because marinara is, is a, obviously in tribute to the mariners, to the coastal communities, to the sea. Uh, that's where the word marinara comes from. It's a sauce in the mariner's style, M-A-R-R-I-N-E-R, apostrophe S, mariner's. So uh, kind of a party trick or something like that. Ask your friend, hey, what's the difference between tomato sauce and marinara sauce? And they'll be, what the hell are you talking about? That's You only bring it up if you're at a, a party that's really boring. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll probably have better things to talk about. Uh, for example, like me being at Justine and having to beg to get three menus for three people. Wow. Groundbreaking. <laughs> in any case, uh, I mentioned before this uh, roast goose that I got recently in Hong Kong. This is at Cam's, K-A-M apostrophe S, Cam's Roast Goose, downtown Hong Kong, right near the markets. For the past three years... It's gotten one Michelin star, uh, which is a huge accomplishment. Uh, getting three is, is very, very rare. Two is quite rare, and one is a big accomplishment unto itself. This restaurant has one Michelin star. Huge lines, I think. The place opens at 11. The lines started forming. You wouldn't believe it. By the time we got there at 10 o'clock, the lines were around the block. I was with my friend Yanni, who's a famous musician, and composer uh, based in New York. He's also a great classical bassist, Yanni Burton. And uh, so he said, let's do the goose. So I, I asked, I have some family friends who live in Hong Kong. And like I have family friends who live in a lot of places, family friends who live in Hong Kong. And I said, uh, you know, where do we go? Because it's kind of a famous place for roast goose. And uh, he said, go to Cam's. And we did some Googling. And, wow. This place was unbelievable. But we didn't want to wait in the line to sit inside. So they have another line. This is a, actually a good idea. A lot of people should do this. They have another line to take out. So we decided we were going to take out. So we waited online about, 
don't know, 45 minutes, some huge amount of time. Uh, it was worth it. It was worth every second of waiting when we got to that park and we ripped open those containers of roast goose. I tell you, a flavor I'll never forget. We'll come back to that as soon as we deal with Gregory. Welcome to the food show. What an interesting story about marinara sauce, which is how I pronounce it. Yeah. I, it, I never knew the dip. I never knew the difference between a tomato sauce and a marinara sauce. Yeah, and we all were and confused, always right? There's a distinctive yeah. difference between them. No, yeah. you, when you taste the two side by side, they're totally different. Totally. So that's a, that was something. Well, you know how you go out to eat, and you usually go out to eat kind of close to your house, and you kind of semi go to the same restaurants over and over. It's kind of hard to get out of your comfort zone. Yep. And uh, that's what we've been doing lately. But one of the restaurants that we go to on a regular basis is Station 6. But I, I don't know. What to, tell us about it. Well, you know, Station 6, where is this place? Station 6 is on Old Hammond Highway, right before you cross from Metairie into New Orleans. Um, it is owned, uh, and I'm going to have to think about this for just a minute, but uh, it used to be uh, Vegas restaurant, Vegas tapas restaurant on Metairie Road. And she was recently on TV. Um, she opened Station 6 right next to where the pumping stations are on, on the 17th Street Canal. Yeah, yeah. And what kind of food do they do there? Seafood, pompano, uh, oysters, uh, delectable New Orleans food in every respect. And we went in uh, two nights ago and had the scallops, which is something that is always a hit or miss. You oh yeah. Get scallops at one restaurant, and it would be overcooked, and they might have grit in them. But it's very hard to find scallops consistently good, and their scallops were tender, deliciously cooked to a medium, medium rare, no grit, just fabulous. And then they also have pompano, and they have pompano every night. And I would have to place that pompano as the top one, two, three in the in the city at this point. It's that good? Wow. Uh, real good. Wow. Really, really good. Uh, I mean, it's tender, delicious, juicy, um, fabulous stuff. You so know, so, so here, here's uh, a question. Yeah. Is it worth the drive from uh, from downtown NOLA to get all the way out there to go to this place? Well, it's only 6.1 miles from downtown. Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of traffic. There's a revolution all the time. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it is. And it depends on when you go, and they're crowded, too. So, um you probably would want to go a little bit later or a little bit earlier because they're pretty packed. So you go to Revolution a lot, you said? We do. We love Revolution. Uh, you can pull up and park. They charge you $10. They take your car down. You, you sit and eat. It's just a, a wonderful place. I Definitely. think it's great. Gumbo. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. The gumbo is yeah. unbelievable yeah, there. The gumbo is unbelievable. It really is. Have you ever had the caviar tower there? No. I, I've never been with enough people who wanted to have caviar. <laughs> Oh, two people could polish that easy. Is that right? Uh, it's expensive. The last time we went, it was two hundred and ten. Yeah. Um, but it's it, it's one of those special treats that you really want to do for yourself every once in a while. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah they have four different ones. It's really good. Yeah. I'm, yeah. yeah. I, I I don't know if you were so, listening earlier, but I said that I, uh, I I love to go to Revolution and sit at the bar and just get a drink in the gumbo or something like that. You know, a good. Uh, Good, maybe I don't know. It's fry, a, fries on the side, a big but, meal. but it's 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 that's a good a meal. No, yeah, it's it's. Now wait a minute. You're yeah. from downtown, so what about Clancy's? Do you jump jump over and go to Clancy's? Occasionally, occasionally, I I love it there. 
Oh, I love it there. And that's what, like five and a half miles from downtown. Yeah, so, but it, that, that, that's worth yeah. the drive. Oh, I think that's worth the drive, yeah. Overwhelmingly. Yeah. What's your favorite dishes there? Well, I think, I mean, any fish special they have, I mean, the, the meats, they do well. And, of course, I mean, they're famous for the crab, yeah? They're famous for the uh, for the cold smoke. You're talking thing. about the smoked soft yeah. shell crab? Yeah. They, they cold smoke it and then cook it. And it's not overwhelmingly smoky. No. It's just perfect. And then they have the sweetbreads, and, and they're one of the only restaurants I know that have uh, calf liver, which most people don't like, but I love it. I, I love it, too. Um, I, I love any kind yeah. of liver, really. I mean, I, I get to... I mean, really, when there's a liver on the menu, I try to order it, you know? So they opened up Felix's, where uh, Brisby's used to be. Yeah, that's right. You've been to the new one? Yeah. Have have you been there? No, I haven't been yet. Um, I, I've been really, you know, there's been so many things opening up in the... Uh, in the Maroni, the downtown, and the French Quarter, that I've been, I've been kind of stuck on on that area because it's it's hard to keep track. Where do you live? Just like I was talking about, you stick to your area, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what you were saying before. But it sounds like you come all the way down to go to Revolution, right? Yeah, we take a we either drive or take an Uber. Lately, we've been Ubering it down and then Ubering it back because you'll have a drink or two and you don't want to have to worry about that. You know, I I think that's smart because you know it's not like you're going to get blind drunk and drive but you know even if you got a drink or two it's with uber and lyft and taxis it, it's it's so easy to avoid um you know having any alcohol on you and, and, and driving because there's the driver there's a lot of bad drivers around here and you don't want to get smashed you know <laughs> so two tonys is another favorite of ours obviously still in that little circle that we've been talking about give me two or three of your restaurants that you like downtown yeah uh, that you go to regular, like something that you go to. Uh, we get out most every night, so where do you go? Oh, th- this is easy. The, the, the first two I'm going to name, you, they're, they're both focused on seafood, but they're, they're not really similar. The first is Pesh, which I'd say I go to. That I, That's probably maybe my favorite restaurant, period. I think Pesh is tremendous. No, 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 no. I'm getting a piece of paper. That That is a restaurant we've been wanting to go to for a long time. It's marvelous. It's marvelous. It's it's on, uh, well, you'll find, it's on Magazine Street uh, somewhere in the, in the warehouse. How do you spell it? P-E? Yeah, P-E-C-H-E. Okay. Pesh. What's uh, another one? Then another one, which is also seafood-focused, but very different, is called Seaworthy. Never heard of it. S e a w o r t h y, seaworthy. Yeah, and it's in the uh-huh. same block of Carondelet Street as the Ace Hotel. Okay. Um, so, so a great thing to do with that is I, I love the bar. The, the rooftops are kind of hit and miss to the Ace Hotel, but but the bar is wonderful. There, so you go to the bar at the Ace Hotel, and uh, you you get a drink, and then you walk you know two hundred feet down the block. You go into Seaworthy, and it's really great. They have incredible oyster selection they have great rotating specials and i think three nights a week they have a a late night happy hour till one or two a.m or something really late because it it's kind of hard to find late night food that's really good quality you know <laughs> well that'll, that'll pass me by i'm in bed by nine thirty, but um so passion seaworthy and um of course gotta have one more let's see let's see it's hard to Hard to name just one, but uh, well, what two or three, whatever, whatever you go to regularly. I mean, we we're, we're frequents of uh, Blue Crab, Felix's, Two Tonys, uh, Station Six, and then we venture out to Ed's. Uh, he's got that place on Oaklawn oh, that's yeah. really good, Mr. Ed's. Yeah, 
I, and that's just home home style food at its best. I mean, just I mean, they're one of the few places in the city that has chicken livers on their uh, menu. Oh yeah. Uh, so as we talk, and I guess you can tell, I like. Uh, some of that kind of stuff. I, I'd say, okay, two more that come to mind, because I, I, I got to give one. This is such a good restaurant. It's always great. Is Domenica. You've probably been in the Roosevelt Hotel. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I go all the time, and it's it's really, really good. It, keep, it keeps... Isn't they, it mostly pizza there? Yeah, well, it's... I don't know about mostly. They, they have a lot of pizza, but they have a lot of pasta. They have a lot of... They have a, good local fish options. They have often tuna. They do... Um, sometimes they have a great steak. You steak guy? Yeah, yeah, very much. Yeah, okay, then then that leads me to the last place I'd name, which I've been to quite a bit recently, which is Doris Metropolitan. But you've probably been there. Oh, no, I haven't. And that's the place that when you walk in, they have the showroom of all the meat yeah. hanging. Yeah, exactly. And it's called D-O-R-I, right? Yeah, D-O-R-I-S, but it's just pronounced Dory. It's D-O-R-I-S, new word, Metropolitan. That's gonna. That might be where we'll go tonight. I'm telling that you... Sounds- it is. Yeah. It's the best steak oh. I've had. It's one of the best steakhouses in the country, in my opinion, really. Anybody I've ever talked to can't say anything less than what you just said. Uh, and and you'll you'll find if you go, the sides are wonderful. The, it's, you know, we all like the traditional uh, cream spinach and potato, whatever. But this, the sides are so inventive here. It's really great. <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems like my wife and I have to split just about everything. Otherwise, we can't finish it. <laughs> so. Well, well, get get a huge steak and split, and then you'll you know have enough for a midnight snack later on that night. Well, that was a this was a productive conversation. Thank you so much. Well, Anything th- else? Thanks for calling. Yeah. All right. A- all right. Talk, talk to you soon. And uh, that was a great call with Gregory. It is the food show with the gourmet cellist, the one and only gourmet cellist. It's Dan Lelchuk. On 105.3 FM, HD2, and www.com. Give me a call, will you? A few more minutes left, 260-6368. We will be back. Hello and welcome back to the last segment of the last hour of the food show. A kind of a self-explanatory name on WWL Radio, New Orleans. Give me a call, will you? 504-260-6368. 260 Three six eight, interesting calls today that have brought us across a large culinary expanse, everywhere from the casino in Kenner to <laughs> the Caviar Tower at Restaurant Revolution. I would say that's a good range. Why don't you call in and add to it? We've been talking about pasta and sauces and uh, kind of educating each other about uh, what's a tomato sauce, what's a, uh, a bolognese. What's a marinara sauce? All you have to do is call 504-260-6368. In case you forgot, it's Dan Lelchuk, the gourmet cellist. I really am a cellist, and I'm I'm kind of aspiring to be a gourmet. So call, and uh, and we'll talk about anything you want to talk about, having to do with food, wine, cocktails, dining in, dining out, recipes, cookbooks, your food traditions, what you're going to do with the first Panchatula strawberries that are coming in, the Creole tomatoes. I tell you, one of the best things to do when you have really good fresh tomatoes is a very simple caprese. Uh, A caprese is a salad uh, that originates in the island of Capri, C-A-P-R-I. So uh, in uh, correctly pronounced Capri by many people, the island of Capri, 
which uh, coincidentally is uh, where Chef Andre is from, who will be here uh, about 24 hours from now, uh, talking our year off, and uh, we love that. And a caprese is a traditional salad from the island of Capri, uh, which is basically excellent sliced fresh tomatoes alternating with basil leaves of the highest quality and fresh mozzarella cheese. I lately have been doing a lot with buffalo mozzarella, but any good real mozzarella topped with generous amount of olive oil, uh, some crushed sea salt, a little black pepper. That's it. There's no better way to enjoy a great fresh tomato than in the presence of Mozzarella cheese, olive oil, a little fresh basil. That's my take. I I really do think for a tomato sauce that a canned tomato sauce is is in some ways more of a reliable recipe to fall back on. Remember that there's many different ways to make a tomato sauce, but I do encourage you to go either the route of onion or garlic uh, in the Neapolitan tradition. Now, I, I was in Asia recently, and playing concerts and going around and meeting people and because I love talking to people. And uh, by the way, I'd love to talk to you too if you were to pick up the phone and dial 504-260-6368-260-6368. I'd love to talk to you. But I go around on the street and talk to lots of people. And the fact is, when you ask people where should I go eat, they tell you. So So I got this roast goose. I was uh, kind of on that topic half an hour ago. Got to take it out in Hong Kong, and I sat in the park with my friend, and we're eating the goose, and I'm telling you, it's these kind of memories. We also got roast pork, by the way, that we were dipping in this really hot kind of mustard vinegar. You know, it actually reminded me a little bit of some of the Carolina-style barbecue uh, in a strange way. So we're dipping this pork in the mustard and the vinegar, and we have the heat, and, and, you know, when you're sitting outside and the the breeze is blowing and you're having these mind-blowing culinary experiences. That's the kind of thing you remember, right? You don't remember the tourist traps. You remember these totality experiences where all the senses are really being fed properly. And the breeze is blowing and, and you have that the sun shining down. You're maybe getting a little teary because it's so spicy and... And that's the way to do it. The, the skin of the goose so crispy that you almost need a hacksaw to get through it, but that's the way it has to be. And the inside's so wonderfully tender and moist and uh, reminds me of that roast goose that I always do the Friday after Thanksgiving with my brother, who's a great cook, who uh, really does more restaurant-style food, uh, my older brother. And uh, so when we do this roast goose, uh, I tell you, an invitation to uh, Friday after Thanksgiving at, uh, at the big place up in New Hampshire, that's almost more popular than an invitation to Thanksgiving Day itself. <laughs> because, well, we do good turkey, and, and I, I roast it kind of in the traditional way, although we don't stuff it anymore. Uh, we, we keep the stuffing on the side. It cooks wonderfully like that. But the day after, I tell you, when we do the roast goose, that's become like a famous day, the Friday after Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, if you want to talk about coming over for Thanksgiving or the Friday after, just, uh, you know, give me a call. 260-6368.
is the menu for that. Uh, and um, so I was, I was in Taipei after Hong Kong, and I, I wanted soup dumplings. So soup dumplings are very famous in the city of Taipei and uh, through Taiwan and, and a lot of China. What are soup dumplings? They are dumplings usually round instead of that kind of moon shape uh, with the meat filling and a little broth on the inside. And this is one of the great treasures in the entire culinary world. And uh, they were served in a, a bamboo basket. And on the side, there was this wonderful cabbage. I was looking at pictures to remind myself. There's this wonderful cabbage, very steamed, uh, very lightly. Um, there was shrimp, what in a lot of restaurants here would be called shrimp shumai, kind of a good amount of shrimp and a, a very small amount of dough, and those are steamed as well. We had a wonderful hot soup with a tofu, a black bean tofu with livers. And, uh, of course, my favorite, I, I kind of a guilty pleasure of mine, scallion pancakes. And uh, what I noticed here was that the scallion pancakes were incredibly filled with scallions. You get them at a restaurant in the United States, and there's kind of a sprinkling. These were like a real onion cake. And I'm looking at the picture now, and it is amazing. They were amazingly kind of puffy and thick, but very light, but doughy at the same time. I never had scallion pancakes like these. Uh, who came close, actually, recently was a good friend of mine named Rachel, who has been making them a lot. And she made a very good scallion pancake, um, actually. It, it, was, it was quite excellent. And uh, so the trick is when you're making it, you want to cook it at quite a high heat so, so it really gets brown. And uh, I do Chinese food pretty often at my house, and a scallion pancake is absolutely traditional. Uh, Chinese dish, and uh, we find it a lot of restaurants here, but it's not done that well that often. Um, and this really lovely steamed cabbage just with a little sesame oil was was one of the great things I've, I've had recently. Uh, remember, if you want to talk about food or dining out or dining in or anything else, uh, give me a call, will you? 504-260-6368. 260-MENU. And we'd love to talk to you about anything to do with whatever you've been eating, whatever restaurants you've been eating at. Uh, there are some new restaurants, by the way, in New Orleans um, that I wanted to tell you about. Uh, I'm looking now for reference at the website eater, nola.eater.com. And eater has uh, websites for all the major cities uh, all over the world. And so I'm, I'm looking at this uh, there's one that particularly interests me, which is called Jewel of the South. Jewel of the South is opened by uh, by a friend of mine who is very well-known bartender, Chris Hanna, who used to be uh, the head bartender at Arno's. Uh, then they opened Manolito, and now this is Jewel of the South. It, it pays homage to a, a 19th century New Orleans bartender called Mr. Santini, S-A-N-T-I-N-I, Mr. Santini, who was a bartender at a bar called Jewel of the South in the 19th century in New Orleans. 
this is uh, after nearly eight months of buzzy anticipation, Chris Hanna and Nick Dietrich's resurrection of a classic 19th century New Orleans bar, Jewel of the South, finally comes to fruition. Uh, so I actually may be going there right after this show. So if you, uh, if you want to go have a drink with me, I'll see you there at the bar. I'll be the guy with the, uh, the long white beard, kind of hunched over and uh, uh, kind of in a corner. I think I have a cane, too. So if, if you see a, a, a small man hunched over with a cane and a long white beard sitting at the, end, at the end of the bar. Could you wear a hat? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. What, a top hat or a... Top hat would be good, yeah. A top hat, yeah, yeah. In, in a top hat, you'll know there's that guy. There's Dan the Gourmet Cellist, and uh, we'll have a drink together, but only if you recognize me. So, <laughs> and, and, Speaking of yeah. new, new restaurants, if you happen to be in Copenhagen, there's a new restaurant that just opened in uh, January, as a matter of fact. It's in Copenhagen? In Copenhagen, yeah. Northern Europe, you know that? Uh, yeah, it's I've heard a, of it. It's, <laughs> it uh, hangs out up there anyway. It, it's called The Alchemist. And uh, The Alchemist is, is oh, this is just a bit over the top. They offer a 50-course meal, 50 courses. For wow. A, for a, it's six hours. It takes six hours to eat this. Uh, a Chef Rasmus Monk is the uh, is the alchemist in this case. Uh, they have 30 cooks in the kitchen. The kitchen is right in the middle of this palatial dining room. All of the walls, all of the walls in this dining room are uh, screens. The whole thing. So you're you're like in a planetarium. And <laughs> you it's it's an it's supposed to be an extra sensory experience unbelievable you know i'm i'm looking at it now online and you this is unbelievable now did you go to that doug no uh, you know you wouldn't cut me dead there I, it, <laughs> uh, what you don't like denmark you don't like no, 50 courses I, I don't like the distraction <laughs> tell you the truth i mean you know what are they saying the food is not so good look at the pictures what <laughs> uh, <laughs> well 50 courses gee and a 24,000 square foot yeah restaurant huge Huge. huge. Yeah, huge. Unbelievable. Now, the, the meal itself is a mere $650. Okay, for 50 courses, one could argue that you're getting it for free. This is just one <laughs> bite a piece. One bite a piece. One bite a piece, and uh, they're served with uh, with uh, fragrances and extrasensory garnishes, whatever that is. I don't know what that would be. You know, be. I think Tom would love this kind of food. I'm kidding. <laughs> Wow. Well, uh, if anybody's been there, it's the Alchemist in Copenhagen, which is a great city, by the way. Uh, hangs around northern northern Europe uh, in southern Denmark, of all places. Sort of the appendix. Yeah. Uh, Denmark is sort of the, the appendix of Europe. Yeah, that's right. That, that's, but, but, but a high-quality appendix, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that was um, the ever-entertaining uh, executive chief producer of the food show, Doug Christian, who, uh, who does... Does a lot. Also known as the Scut Monkey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> affectionately, very affectionately. And uh, so, if you've been to the Alchemist or you've been to Copenhagen, actually, last time I was in Copenhagen, God, it was so long ago. But I had a, I had great uh, reindeer. They're not just in the kids' books; they really exist. I had great reindeer, caribou, elk from uh, up north. From I think the reindeer came from the. The very top of Finland, which is kind of near the Arctic Circle, and uh, but the truth is, if you're not willing, I, I think Doug, you'll agree with this. If you're not willing to try new things, then you get stuck and you get stagnant, right? 
Now, you were talking about uh, you were talking about uh, the Orient. Yeah. What is the strangest thing that 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 you have eaten that, that did not was was better than it looked? Well, uh, boy, I, I, you know, pig's feet, uh, which you know is actually cooked in Italy too a lot, but in China and here too. Yeah, hey. and, and here you know, pig's feet I think are great. And a lot of people are afraid of them. I think. Um, I think uh, a lot of people are afraid of fish heads and eyes. You know, I uh, no reason to be afraid of the fish eyes. They're, they're kind of a delicacy. If you get a whole fish, go for it. It's wonderful. Um, I've eaten, you know, uh, grasshoppers all over Mexico. Put it on guacamole. I've heard of worse things. <laughs> how, how are they done? Are they uh, done fried? The, yeah, they're deep fried. Deep fried. Yeah, they're deep fried, really crispy, uh, on top of a really good fresh guacamole. And man. You're you're really going to town there. That's that's pretty darn good, I tell you. Um, but uh, you know, I always feel like if you, unless you you think you're going to get sick or something, why not try it? You know, the worst that happens if if you take a bite of food and you hate it, and you never want to eat it again, fine. I mean, it's the same thing I say with people who are coming to to classical music. I say the worst that can happen is you go and you hate it, and then you never go back. But I tell you. I've almost never run into anybody who went to a symphony concert or chamber music or one of my solo concerts someplace or another, and they go and they're like, God, that was the worst way to spend an evening of my entire life. What the hell was I thinking? <laughs> so same with food. Just try it. If you hate it, you'll never eat it again. But if you love it, you found something pretty darn worthwhile. Jeez, two hours. It's gone. Well, when you're having fun talking about food and restaurants and wine and cocktails and recipes and cookbooks and caviar towers, then time really flies. I'll be back tomorrow. So call me then if you didn't today, which you probably didn't. It's 105.3 FM HD2 and always available on WWL.com. Stay tuned for a repeat of the last two hours that you just heard. <laughs> this is Daniel Lelchuk, the gourmet cellist, the one and only gourmet cellist. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a great dinner. Ciao. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.